Greetings, programs, and welcome to the second anniversary of the Awesome Friday podcast. Woohoo! My name is Matthew, and joining me this week uh, is my usual co-host, Simon, and our, and our other amazing team member, Rachel. Hello to everyone. How are you today? Hello. Hello. Happy anniversary to the re-re-reboot. Yeah. Yeah, the re-re... Well, it's the first successful relaunch. Like we tried so many times. We we tried this. This is probably the fifth or sixth iteration. When did we first like start our very first episode where I got really drunk in episodes and sang for a little bit as well? It was a very different. It was a very different time. Uh, this is this I is believe before that my was, kids, right? I believe that was twenty thirteen, sir. No, uh, was it? I I thought we started earlier than that. There's um, no way it was just ten years ago. We've been doing this longer than that. I mean, I don't know, because every time we have a conversation, it just sounds like the podcast. Like, remember, that's the reason the show started. I don't know. And we used uh, to go for hours, hours and hours, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, the original iteration of the show was, um, I guess the polite way to say it would be loosely structured. <laughs> what was the name of the original show? Was it Always Awesome, awesome Friday? Friday? Always it's Awesome Friday. Always been Awesome, awesome Friday. Friday. That's impressive. That's and the reason good. you might the reason you might think it's been longer because that's just what we used to call Friday when I had the day off and you just uh, weren't, weren't working and was, we would just go hang out. That's why this became Awesome Friday to begin with. Yeah. We made so many poor choices on those Awesome Fridays and it was, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so great. I think you might be right that it's longer than 20, 2013. Yeah, it must be longer must, than 2013 because be. I was definitely still drinking when we started. So. And I, I didn't have children when we started. And he was born 2011. So yeah. it was earlier than that. And I will be I will be 10 years sober this year. So it's Whoa. definitely more than 10 years. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Very congratulations. How about you, Rachel? What was your journey to, to Awesome Friday? Was it just like you got to know me and then you were on the show pretty much like <laughs> the journey <laughs> what was my journey, <laughs> journey. was um, it just that like was it really just i think one time i was like i think i messaged you and dakota uh your contrazoom co-host and i was like i need a co-host this week who wants to do it and you were like uh, i'll oh, do it because <laughs> i was away i went away that's right yeah i mean it was that's definitely right. through dakota that i i came to know of you and mm-hmm. I can't remember the first time I even, or like the first time we spoke, or the first time you, did you come on ContraZoom first, or did I come on Awesome Friday first? So I definitely was on ContraZoom first, but with I'm pretty sure my, but I'm it. pretty sure you weren't there. Uh, yeah, pretty sure it was just like me something and I do. Yeah. Um, and it was a while ago, like, I don't know what, I, I, he's so good about keeping track of episode numbers, but I know that it was yes. like a, in the mid 100s was the first time I came on, I think. It's easy enough to look up, actually. Let's see. And yeah, of course he has a spreadsheet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think it was just through Dakota, yeah, that I, I ended up um, on the team aware just... of you guys. And then it took forever to, to meet Simon. Forever. I remember that. Well, because you were my super sub. For, yes, that's, that that's how true. you originally came on. I went. I think this is probably going back a couple of years when I went to England for a couple of weeks, and that's why you stepped in to to um, co-host. And and then when I came back, we didn't really know each other to talk. 
So you were like, you, you were on and I were on uh, and alternating, but we are, our ships sailed in the night. We yes. Didn't, we, yeah, didn't cross we did. paths. <laughs> but, um, and then I think Matt forced us together. He did. Thank you, Matt. He did. Thank you. I mean, that sounds correct. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that Rachel, the first time you guessed it on our show was last last summer i think it was probably right after our first anniversary uh i think i think simon you went away in august yeah, of 2022 yeah that's right um and i think rachel i think you subbed in uh oh no it was it june was it, was, it was june last year so it was slightly earlier uh right. it, june 2022 we talked about the phantom of the open and hustle that's right that's right. oh yeah i do that's remember right. that now yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I'll say I was. I'm on the ContraZoom website, and you were on ContraZoom first time was September 28, 2021, and it was oh, for yeah. a Vancouver wow. International Film Festival preview episode. Yeah. And I'm not on the team, but I have become somewhat regular on your show too. I think I have my sixth or seventh guest appearance Dakota this coming like, week. Dakota likes to call it um, friend of the show. Yeah. Friend of the show. And Simon, you've been on the one time, and you might even go back sometime. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, not, I, I'm not watching the inbox. I um, <laughs> look. Here's the thing, right? I'm, I'm an introvert, and when I get introverty, I get nervousy, I get talky, and I talk. And and I don't know how sports came up, but I kind of dismantled hockey. Um, <laughs> Without actually asking Dakota what his opinion was on, on the thing that he loves the most, which is hockey. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure he's ever going to forgive me, Dakota. I'm so sorry. I, I will I love say, him, I love think hockey. that that is a reason you and I get along so well, though, because I am a fairly introverted person as well. And so I right. think we just kind of there ramble on yeah. in the introversion. Yeah, as we said, I, listened, I listened to that episode, and there is definitely not a lot of hockey talk in it. So I think. No, this was, have... pre- this, was, okay. this was literally when he joined the call. He's like, How are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. I really fucking hate hockey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just straight, just straight in there. And I can't remember how we got onto it so quickly, but I remember it being the first sentence. And I don't know what you're like, Rachel, but sometimes when you're talking, do you ever listen to yourself and go, shut up? (laughs) Do you know, you know, in um, the office, the US version, and then um, Kelly's character, like she's, there's a scene, she's just talking and then eventually they kind of do like the shot to her and she goes sometimes i just talk and i don't really know like where it's going yeah. and i'm like yeah that's exactly what yeah. i do there are so many times oh, i hear myself man. and i'm like just yeah. shut up now and then find yeah. a way out of this yeah ideally yeah. so yeah hopefully again one day when he's forgiven me maybe. <laughs> <laughs> i'm also, sure i'm sure it'll come soon I, i'm sure yeah we we do love dakota he's he's we do. <laughs> it's a great podcast I really enjoy the Contrasoon podcast. It's um, it's so it's very different from ours. <laughs> Would yes. you say that's fair? <laughs> like we're a little more we're a little more freeform, but I actually learn stuff from Contrasoon. It's good. <laughs> I learn stuff from us too, um, but I definitely yes. learn more from Contrasoon. <laughs> well, I think there's the difference is is when Simon and I go off tandem, yeah. and yeah. then Dakota a hundred percent edits us down yeah. and, and he absolutely i don't listen to the episodes but um i've been told uh-huh. that he definitely edits us down. i i do and um can confirm yes 
He's very good. Twitter. Like you can't you can't always tell that they've been edited, but I know they've been edited. He's very just, he's yeah. very very good at editing. He is, yeah, he is, and, and he takes a lot of pride in it, and natural. as he should, as he yeah. should, because he's very yeah. good at it. But then come on here, and you guys, <laughs> like we just, I just talk and ramble on, and yeah. nobody is there to cut us off. And you know, and you know how I'm editing told works. There is no editing on that. And uh, it's just, you know how editing works on the Awesome telling. Friday podcast. Um, I record the show, and then I put <laughs> it into an audio editing program. And then I put the theme music at the beginning and the end, and then I hit export. <laughs> but this was very important to me. I always wanted this to be basically like our conversations that we've always had our entire lives knowing each other. Uh, there's really no difference. And it's uh, it's nice. It's authentic. I like it. And yeah, it's the way, I, it's the way I want it to be uh, yeah. as well. There's There's been, I think, in the last two years, there's been maybe a handful of times I've actually edited something out. And usually it's like... You know, the call is dropped and I've had to like cut around yeah. it. And that's basically it. Have you ever had to edit something out because one of you guys said something that maybe you were like, I'd rather that not be in there? Because I've yeah, definitely though, done that to Dakota. Yes, I've told him to take sure. some stuff out sometimes. I'm sure that no, I can't, I, I can't, I couldn't tell you what instance of that might have been, but I'm yeah. sure, I think we've probably both done it once, at least once. Yeah, I definitely have had that conversation with you and I had no idea what it was, but it, it has happened, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this is our second anniversary. Before we get going too much further, uh, I'm going to do the professional thing again and take care of some of the housekeeping at the start. So if you're listening to us now, thank you so much. Do check out uh, our website, awesomefriday.ca, um, and check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash mcsimpson. If you are a subscriber, which starts at just two bucks Canadian a month, which I think is pretty reasonable. You get to hear all of uh, this kind of conversation even more. This week, uh, we spoke uh, for 35 minutes or so, and we talked about road movies um, and single takes. And uh, what was the other thing we talked about? We talked about three things. Hitchcock. 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 Alfred Hitchcock. So that is the kind of thing you can look forward to. If you like hearing the dulcet ta- sounds of all of our voices, uh, you can pay two bucks a month, a month and hear more. And right now, if you join, you get a free seven-day trial to check it out if you wanted to do that so go and do that um and uh i'll come back to this at the end but this episode sponsored by zencaster we'll come back to that at the end <laughs> what yeah no it's true we have a we have okay. a sponsor very technically and uh i'm doing my diligence and calling them out because zencaster is pretty good uh we're using them right now anyway moving on <laughs> Sorry, look on Simon's face is currently perfect. Hey, Matt, it... I, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, but I'm unsure which platform to use. Do you have any recommendations? <laughs> what oh, I want sh- something is user-friendly and intuitive. Uh, you're supposed to say that at the end. Oh, if sorry. You're... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm using all my acting skills now. Okay, we'll do that. We'll recreate uh... that at the end. I used to right. stay up really late when I was young, like in high school and in elementary school, um, watching those late night commercials and like those infomercials yes. all the time. Amazing. So I would personally request that you guys put that kind of energy, like yes. the slap chop energy, the yeah. set it and forget it energy. I, so I that's do what not, I'm looking for. Yeah. I don't possess that kind of energy. It just yeah. does not exist. Yeah. Dig deep, the, dig deep. Dig I used deep. to show uh, the slap chop commercial to my language students until it turns out he got arrested for yes. hitting, a pro- hitting a prostitute. I'm like, that's taking your job a little far. With a, did he hit them with a slap jaw? <laughs> no, with his hand. <laughs> okay. He used to slap the slap jaw with. 
like the, the commercial has lots of close up of his hands like slapping the shit out of something i'm like am i uh, is the slap top guy the same guy as the sham wow guy yes yeah his name's vince his name's vince yeah yeah he yes. ended up being a real but, yeah, bag, show, yeah. yeah but not the same guy as the oxyclean guy that was a different no, guy no oxyclean guy is very different oxyclean yeah. though that what a what a product oxyclean there's a well there's guy. a whole other podcast in here about like infomercial <laughs> advertising from the I 90s loved infomercials are we sponsored by oxyclean as well nope uh, I uh, to what a product a- oxyclean is this episode is only only brought to you by, uh, at least in part, by Zencaster. By Zencaster. So. I know, right? You have to say uh, Zencaster though, like by Zencaster. By Zencaster. Uh, in your voice, absolutely. We don't have the <laughs> guys join Zencaster today. Like you've got the best voice for that. So if you could just say Zencaster again for us, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> cut, cut, edit that, splice it out into the end. There's your edit yes. there, Matt. That's that's the edit you're looking for. I mean, honestly, uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, well, now that we have all that out of the way, should we start talking about the thing we're going to talk about for real? Yes. Yes. Amazing. Um, so in honor of this being, again, nearly to the day, actually, I think our first episode, um, this episode should be should be listening to it on the 16th of July. And our first episode of the relaunch was the 17th of July. 2021 what was the um, first episode do you remember like it was a uh, marvel a marvel double take it was the Loki, black right? widow movie and oh, yeah. the first season of loki gosh um, okay. what a start <laughs> yeah, yeah wow wow yeah i think as i recall we thought one of those things was fine and one of them was really good um, i really you know, like loki Very and much. uh i, I will leave it loki. to that was a good show i will leave it to everyone to go look up which one is which suspense <laughs> I know, right? Um, so our our this this week, in in the spirit of that, nearly exactly two years, we are going to talk about our favorite movies in these two years. So that means uh, we are going to choose our top three films from July, twenty twenty one to now, uh, and then at Simon's insistence, we're going to yeah. go three, two, one, and then number one has to be the movie that like, if you choose it. All of their movies from that time period cease to exist. It is the That's one right. that remains. It's your Desert Island movie. It's like Jonathan Majors at the end of Loki. He's the one who's still there. Bring <laughs> him up, really. I mean, him. No, probably not. I mean, <laughs> That's a dicey thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, it's uh, fucking so disappointing. But anyway, um, uh, I thought you know it was a good segue at the time, and then I just regretted. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so the last film, our number one film, is going to be—it's mm. the one. It's the one that, like, if if you were going to erase every other film from July 2021 to July 2023, yeah. uh, it, this would be the one. Um, I just want to add that was a very unnecessary bit to add on to there. I appreciate no, it. I love it. Thoroughly unnecessary though. Completely, but also it makes you really, really think. Because if you said, "What's yeah. your favorite movie?" I would have chosen a different movie than the movie I've chosen because I think it makes you, for me, it made me think about what's the kind of movie that preserves the medium, like that represents parts of the medium that I love. Not just do I like Jakey running around in an ambulance for two hours because the answer is yes, <laughs> but the but what what film like captures the art yeah. the art of the medium in the last few years? So it made me think about it in a very different way. I like nuclear options. Adds a bit more pressure. I mean that's fair. 
I don't think, honestly, I don't think it would have affected my number one choice at all. Oh, it okay. affected mine. I'll say that it yep. did affect mine. I think, I think it, um, it, uh, it did sort of affect what I chose as my like number two and three. Um, but I think the film that has been my favorite in these last two years was always going to be my favorite, like no matter what the options are. So uh, it was actually nice to have that level of clarity because I usually don't with these things. Usually I'm really bad about like ranking art of any kind, but mm-hmm. this, uh, my number one choice stuck with me in a, in a really major way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, before we move, before we actually start the list properly, is there anything you want to confess to not having seen in the last two years, uh, Rachel? You've probably seen more than us, to be totally fair. Yeah. Is there anything you've missed? I'm sure I have. I can't. I mean, I can't think of it right now, but I'm pretty confident I have missed some pretty glaring movies. Because I don't do that. Do you guys do that thing? I mean, not to say that the Oscars are the beyond end all, but um, I've never done the thing where you watch all of the movies that gets nominated. And so in doing that, you end up missing some pretty big films sometimes. Mm. Matt, you're really good at trying to cover everything before we hit Oscars time. I just, I gave up the illusion of keeping up with any kind of media um, along many, many years ago. Like, I am I fully accept that I just missed tons of stuff. And yeah. it, it's weird because I used to be the person who wanted to watch everything, like everything as quickly as possible. And I just, it's just impossible. I don't have the time or the consciousness to watch stuff like that so when it comes to oscars i'm now pretty happy if i've seen more than one like best picture just (laughs) just so i can have an opinion but matt you're you're pretty good you 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 actually make an effort to see as much as you can right i mean i do um i don't make as strong of an effort as i once did um i've had a lot of other things going on in, in my life so not like obsessively trying to see everything was actually like a very good thing for my mental health. What was that um, year where you watched, like, you tried to watch everything and it really got to you? Like, I was twenty twenty one actually, or twenty so, no, that was twenty twenty. How many um, films and, did you watch that year? Uh, was it twenty twenty? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. It was a lot though. Yeah. Um, in fact, I could just look at my letterbox and tell you. I feel like it's pre-pandemic. It might, it might have been 2019. Well, there was a year. There was a year when I was very much trying to like make the website a thing, um, mm. and I just wanted to make sure that I saw all of the things. Mm. Um, and I, it wasn't just that I saw all the things. It's that I went to a ton of festivals that year too. Right? Mm, that's right. Virtu- yeah. Virtually attended a lot of festivals as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was 2021, but I don't remember for sure. To mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, it might have been 2020, because 2020 was the first year that I, I attended Fantasia um, and a few other festivals. It was probably 2020, and I, I got totally totally burned out. I took, yeah. like, the first three, three or four months of the following year just off. Mm. Uh, so it was definitely pre-podcast relaunch, because I was just writing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the podcast was my way to, yeah. to get back into having a bit of purpose in my film watching. Mm-hmm. What's your guys' like motivation for like Matthew in particular, like having you said you wanted to make the website a thing, you wanted to do like then you kind of shifted over to the podcast. But what was the motivation in even wanting a website to be a thing? <laughs> okay, so the original story of Awesome Friday is that Simon and I are huge nerds, as I'm sure you're able to. What? Tell. 
I know, right? That's a shocking revelation for everyone. <laughs> and we both love but writing. We both love writing, but more importantly, we used we we are friends. We are you know we have a mutual friend circle that is I think both of our main friend circle, and we would go to parties and inevitably someone would tell us to shut up about movies. <laughs> um, and then someone suggested that we start a podcast instead so we can have these conversations without derailing an entire party. And that's how the podcast started. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so the website was just, I was honestly sort of born out of that. I was like, well, are we going to do this? And someone was like, yeah, let's do this. And so I did, I did it. And then but what was the motivation to be like, rather than this just be in. something. Yeah. Like yeah, something so really, we you really wanted, wanted to are in it was like work was shit. We both had jobs that we hated and that, mm -hmm. That yep. we just wanted to do it. We just wanted to write for a living. I think Matt more than me because I was, I was in my teaching career. But you were you were in retail and just hated it. And and started writing more and more and more. And your writing got better and better and better. And it, it just felt like there was a moment there, where like, what if we could do this? Mm. Like, imagine a world where we get paid to write about movies. And mm. I think that that little carrot on a stick was enough to really try and push it. And yeah, it was, uh, I think it was, we were just trying to make a living from writing. I don't know. And honestly, like, like trying to make a living was what would have been not nice. Advisable. But honestly, I'm going to say that it's not advisable. You well, guys. and honestly, like at the end of the day, I would say it wasn't even the making a living would have been nice, but it was honestly, you're right. It was just an escape. It was another thing to do that it was like at the time, there was a pretty bad couple of years there where it was sort of like the best thing I had going other than, you know, obviously being married to my wife was great, but like work with shit. I wanted to be producing something that I liked and was proud of. And the website gave me that. I like and, that. It, and interestingly, ever since like when I gave up, the, <laughs> once I gave up to like, I should do everything and try and get noticed and paid. Uh, once I gave up that, that um, that's when I started getting other writing gigs. So uh, just goes to show like not everything like, Stepping back from it gave me a, a little bit of clarity and and also illuminated perhaps some other paths. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing more draining and demotivating than trying to push, uh, do something you used to love creatively, trying to make money from it, like trying to find yeah. an audience and mm -hmm. trying to make it in part of an industry. So you're writing because you feel you have to rather than because you want to. I found like I I wrote a lot, and then I got to the point, and, and not just with Awesome Friday. I was I did some short story writing as well. A few got published, but then I started writing for picture for the pictures that were coming in instead of what I wanted to write. I felt like I had to write a certain thing, and it just stopped my just my whole creative output is not based on forcing it in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the time I, I wrote 10,000 words about yoga rollers for Amazon reviews as well. Oh so I think God. that was, that was a pretty good time. I, at one point I tried free, freelance contract writing and um, that pretty much ended that in one go. Yeah. So I haven't written much since then, but I only write what I want to write. So I write a lot of fiction. And if I see a movie that really compels me, to write a review most recently the transformers movie <laughs> compelled me to write a review and it's nice and whenever i write now i'm not thinking about the money because there is no money in it because yeah. we we are we are we're late as, as storytellers we're about two thousand years too late like yeah. it's it's just this culture we've seen it with the saga 
strikes. We've seen it with the streamers. We've seen it with the billionaires squeezing the artists. This is not a culture that values uh, creative output in a way that culture used to. And it's heartbreaking. And uh, I know I follow games writers. I follow like story writers. And everyone is just just on the edge all the time of trying to not fall under this like steamroller of needing to make money like the capitalism is the opposite of creativity and uh it just i i just had to stop i just had to stop trying to write for something and just and also i didn't have time and once i had kids like there's no there's no such thing as time to sit and write anymore Mm-hmm. And it turns out oh, my my really good writing uh, is available to me from 11 p.m. till 2 a.m. <laughs> the, that's that's when my, all my good stuff comes. And whenever and, and now I use that time to sleep. And um, when I try to write outside of that time, it's really difficult. So I have a, a different relationship with it now. Hmm. It's very interesting, both of you. Thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. It's our pleasure. <laughs> How did we go to that? What were we talking about? Sorry. I don't know. Ranting about creativity. Sorry, I derailed you guys, but we go back to the, the, the three. We go number right. three. No, okay, I mean, honestly, so... I think when we started this, you said you wanted some time to like ask us questions about the podcast. So if you have any more... <laughs> I, will, like to... I will continue to interject as we continue. Yes. Right. Well, let's maybe do our first round of picks. Uh, no, uh, do our threes? Let's do our number threes. Okay. Um, so why don't we start? In fact, this time I will start. Yes. So I thought my number one was very easy to pick. My number two and three, not so much. Um, I went back and forth between a couple of different options, but I'm actually going to go with a film from last year, which I don't think should be shocking because I think last year was one of the best years for film in a long time. Um, but I'm going to go with The Master's uh, Magnum Opus, which is... Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans from 2022. Oh. Yeah. I enjoy the look you just shot me, Rachel, where you were like, oh, really? <laughs> when, when you said the Masters Magnum Opus, I went, oh, God, he's going to do Fablemans. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like, honestly, I get it. I know it's not everyone's favorite movie. I know even my wife was like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. It's a fine yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, I think it just, it stems a lot from the fact that I think he is the greatest living director and I think mm-hmm. it's the most personal film he's made in a very long time. And I very much appreciate that. And, you know, it also could have very easily been a film about like, look how great I am, but it turned out to be a film that the thesis of which is why am I like this? What <laughs> happened to me to make me like the way that I am? And I just honestly really appreciate any artist at any level, even attempting to answer that question. I don't know how I would do it. I don't think I could at this point, but I appreciate that a, a man with such a long and storied career is still interested in that level of self-exploration because he could very easily not be. He could just keep hammering out movies about oh. whatever he wants. He could do a million Jurassic parks and they'd all be great. Um, mm. But he, he, you know, he chose to tell the story about what made him the person that he is. And I think, I think that's actually really powerful and I found it a really moving movie. Um, and I think, and just on a technical level, I think he's for a guy who's basically been the best at pointing a camera at things for my entire life. I think he's on another level in this movie. I really enjoy this new phase we're in with 
um, Spielberg and Scorsese in particular, the two of them, like two oh. directors that I think our generation and older than us like grew up with. Like we grew, especially Spielberg. I mean, he he basically made our childhood movies. But I'm really liking kind of seeing them in this stage because they're. I find both of them very very um, retrospective and um, oh. trying to kind of figure it out through their films and through what they're doing so even though the irishman is not a thing i wasn't a huge fan of actually it was fine as well i'm nothing against the irishman but when i think of it as a part of scorsese's filmography in terms of him being like that older gentleman now looking back on his life those types of things take a different meaning so i actually really like the new phase that we're in for them it's kind of bittersweet because then that just means we know that um the end is nigh a little bit I mean, and yeah, Scorsese is, you're right, he's on the same sort of wavelength. He, mm-hmm. you know, for every Irishman, which examines, you know, memory and intent, he's also got movies like Silence, which are yeah. very interesting examinations of, you know, what is very nakedly, I think, his own faith. Um, and I think that, uh, I think Spielberg is doing, I mean, Spielberg is still doing a bit of that, like, one for them, one for me type thing. Like, you know, for every The Post, there's always a, re- there's also a Ready Player One. But Spielberg on his worst day is better than most on a good day. So I, uh, I, I just again, he's the greatest, greatest that has ever done it, and I, I very much appreciate the, the tone and intent. And honestly, the only thing I don't really like about the Fablemans is how much Michelle Williams was trying to make it about her toward the end at the awards <laughs> time. Um, but that's not even a slight on the movie. That's just, I was kind of like, really? It's your supporting player, not a, not the lead. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> um, yeah. So what I find interesting about Spielberg is that I, I spent a lot of my time trying to imagine what it must be like to have someone like Elvis or someone like Hitchcock alive and, and working and making art. We look back on these people now with this retroactive understanding of the impact they had and and i've i always found it impossible to imagine waking up and elvis presley has a new single out or hitchcock has a new movie out like what must that have felt like to have these people creating art in that space instead of growing up where they're already dead like the body of work is behind you and you can examine it fully and i guess I think I can answer that by being alive while Spielberg releases movies. I think people are going to talk about them in the same way. And it's just, it just feels very normal. I'm very interested in how normal it feels to have Spielberg making art in my lifetime. And in 50 years, someone's going to think about Spielberg in the same way we talk about Wells and the same way we talk about Hitchcock and the great Mm -hmm. masters of art being alive and creating that art in our time is, is fascinating to me. Yeah, the same way we talk about, you know, to keep on theme, the same way we talk about John Ford today. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yep. Anyway. Um, moving on, Simon. Simon, why don't we go to your number three pick? So before I get to my, like, any of my films, I just want to reiterate a point. I seem to be saying over and over and over in our podcast, and something I've noticed about myself in the last couple of years is that I'm really reacting to not just films, but the creativity and how a story is told. And if something, if, if there's a, a piece of filmmaking or creativity in shots or editing or decisions that I wouldn't have thought of, 
if I see it as a new thing, then that really stands out to me. And so all of my choices really reflect my need at the moment isn't just, isn't really originality. It's in, in narrative, it's the way it's told as well. Um, so my third pick actually is a movie I missed when it first came out. And the movie it came out, uh, sorry, the year it came out, I chose a different movie as my movie of that year. And I think if I'd seen this film, it probably would have been my number one of that year. And that's The Green Knight, which I saw fairly recently. Uh, well, within the last couple of months. And uh, I just left my drawer on the floor. I, I love mythic storytelling. Um, I love the design of it. But the one thing that really stuck out for me is there's a, a part where Dev Patel's character is tied up and left for dead by a, by a tree. Or he's, he's, they're going to kill him, basically. And um, the the intent is to show uh, how he gets out of this. If he gives up, what happens if he gives up versus what happens if he fights? And the camera, I can't remember the director. Matt will tell me. David, someone? Lowry? Um, uh, David Lowry. Lowry. Yeah, David Lowry. So he does this amazing 360 degree slow pan with the camera. Yeah which shows a skeletal Dev Patel, as it turns out, as a vision the actual Dev Patel is having, if he doesn't re resist, if he, if he gives up. And, uh, and it, all it does is just do a, a single like, turn uh, to the skeleton, then back to him again. And it, and it gives, and we see him then motivated to, to try and get out of that predicament. And I just thought the whole film was that level of incredible visual storytelling for what is fundamentally a very old story. It's a very old fashioned story. It's not a story that's especially original. It's like the, 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 the Green Man story is a fundamental part of European storytelling history. We've seen it piece building in lots of different things, but just the way like the the depth of the design and the the time given to tell the story effectively th through the visuals and then the, the the repeated as well in the ending with the the ending gambit as well just blew me away like i i was really inspired by that film i mean when yeah. i first saw that movie i was incredibly confused about how i liked it whether or not <laughs> i liked it i honestly came out of it cuz like it was one of my most I think it was one of my most anticipated that of that year. Cause yeah. I was just really looking forward to that idea of that type of, like you said, the mythic quality of that type of movie. And then I watched it and I thought, I don't know, like, what do I think about the, and then I watched it again a week later and I was like, I still don't know what I feel about it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I don't know if I like it. I was like, I think I don't like this movie, mm -hmm. but now we fast forward like years later, years, it's been what, two, two, I guess two mm -hmm. years more mm -hmm. or less. Um, it still is, I think that is a movie that will continue to age very, very, very well. Mm. I think that the more I think about it and the more time that passes um, in between me watching it, and I do think about it every now and then, which I always think is a good sign for any movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, it's, it just, it's better. It's much better than I initially thought. And I think that the kind of my perplexity over it is in a sense kind of telling of how good of a movie that was mm -hmm. that it doesn't just leave you sitting feeling um like a black or white feeling it's a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of gray within that movie and mm -hmm. i really love it and i think um 
uh, Barry Keegan's in it, and I always thought he was mm-hmm. he's really really good in that. Mm-hmm. He is yeah, really that's good a great in that. choice. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It was actually one of my most anticipated films of that year as well, um, because of you know it's an A two four movie and they have a very good reputation. I also mm-hmm. love David Lowry's work. I think. Interestingly, I really liked a Ghost Story, and I really liked Pete's Dragon, which are just two movies that <laughs> couldn't be more different in intent, but they both have a certain je ne sais quoi that he brings to it the way he tells stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but if nothing else, like the last twenty minutes of that movie are probably the best yeah. visual storytelling, mm-hmm. certainly of that year. Um, yeah. I'm struggling to think of anything that's been as good as those 20 minutes in the last two years. I'm sure there's something that's up there. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but those last 20 minutes where he finally gets there and then he has this 20 minute vision of what happens if I just leave in the same way of that 360 shows him what do I, mm-hmm. what if I don't struggle. Yeah. That 20 minutes is just blew me away. Like, yeah, I know that some, I know some people who didn't really like it because it felt kind of episodic because it is, yeah, it's not just one story, right? It's not just one fable. Mm-hmm. It's it's several strung together. Um, and so it does feel a bit like separate episodes in the same... Uh, a, bit, a bit like an anthology. But that particular one just makes the whole movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like when a director and storyteller is able to just... You know, they, we talk a lot about uh, in the discourse about show versus tell, and that is a Mm-hmm. Just a pitch perfect example yeah. of how to do that, mm-hmm. um, and then also just having Ralph Ineson as your as the Green Knight <laughs> himself with He's the great. perfect, the perfect voice, mm-hmm. and I think actually the the last line of the film, which is delivered by him, mm-hmm. might be my favorite line read of twenty twenty one. Good. I want to go watch that movie again now. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Couple it's years wonderful. now, I think. It's I've had movie. on the A24 website, I've had their like limited edition version of it in like 4K UHD with a storybook and everything in my in my cart for like two months. <laughs> That's me in the Midsommar. I've had the Midsommar stuff. Just yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm man. done. It. I'm oh, done. Look, it. Look, can you see? I know. I know. My limited edition print. I mean, Midsummer had a, would have had a good chance to be on my list if it had come out in 2021 I'm, or not. 2020. Midsummer would have been my number one if it had fallen yeah. in the last. I love years. that movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I need to watch it any time. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> oh, I've watched it so oh, many never. times. I've you guys, it, I have I've rewatched. I never. I've rewatched the hell out of that movie. It I've watched it three times. I think two or three times. I love it. I, don't, I do need I, to watch it again. I I think it's, so it's not just that it's disturbing, but the way I was disturbed during that watch, I don't want to watch it again because I know I won't feel like that. I want to keep that horror. Yeah. Much like yeah. when I watched um, Under the Skin by myself in a cinema. Uh, I want to keep that horror connected inside of when I watch that. Yeah. It's interesting because I saw it, um, what turned out to be just the quote regular edition of it. But my, my wife went and saw it without me because I was doing something else. And she saw the director's cut, which has like mm-hmm. vines growing in at certain points. Yes. And she saw it, and we should, remind me to tell you the story another time. It's not really relevant, but she saw it with two dudes who were high on mushrooms in the next, <laughs> in the next row over. No. Fantastic. So like no. she, Fantastic. she has some stories about them like running in and out with just like that. hysteria. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Okay, Rachel, yeah. what's your number three? Um, my okay. So I initially wanted nobody 
because I really love that movie. But it turns oh. out that came out in March of 2021. So oh. I had. Oh, really? Yeah. So I've gone with a movie that's not really a movie and the recent Emmy nominations that just came out confirm that it's not really a movie, but I consider it a movie because it was released like a movie. So it is Intergalactic, which is, or Intergalactic rather, which is Kid Cudi's movie that he put out on Netflix. Um, I was trying to think of what you were saying, Simon, about like a movie that the way that like a story is told and not necessarily unique, but just something definitive or like just something very strong. And I think if you guys haven't seen this one, it is more than, I think it was almost billed as like um, a visual accompaniment to his new album, to Kid Cudi's new album. That's I think what the initial marketing was for it, but it is so much more than that. It is a wonderful love story. Um, between two people, two young people in New York City. It's New York City animated in a way that I, it, somebody said to me, it's just like Spider-Man, the the Spider-Verse stuff. I don't agree with that. I think I can see where they're going with that. But I just think that it is the most, you talk about like somebody on mushrooms. It is like that. It's like such a fever dream of New York City in this bubbly poppy way, but yet very gritty and very urban and very, um, you know, very real at the same time without being that. I think it's a gorgeous movie and I love the story that they tell. It's a very, very, very simple story, but I think it's probably one of the healthiest relationships depictions I've seen in a movie in a very, very long time. Um, And I love it. I put that movie on quite often in the background because I just, it makes me feel cozy. And I think that when it comes to storytelling, it does something, Matthew, you say a lot, which is like, it just does something really well. Like it, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. mind blowing. It's not necessarily anything that's going to pull the gravitational earth one way or the other, but it is very just storytelling done well. And if anybody had, I think it's still on Netflix. I'm pretty confident it is, but it just got nominated for an Emmy. So well done kid Cuddy. It's a very oh. great movie. That's a great choice. He's very great. I would have more to say, but I actually haven't seen it. It's it'd be I one of the ones where it. I would confess that I have not seen it yet. It's just had um, some Emmy nominations, isn't it? As well. mm-hmm. It got nominated for like a, I think they call it a TV special is what they're calling right. it. Yeah. Um, but they literally released it as a movie. It was meant to be a TV show initially mm-hmm. and then uh, they s- stitched all the episodes together and they have chapters now. It's like chapter one, mm-hmm. chapter two and things but I think it works and it's wonderful and the music is phenomenal because cool. it's Kid Cudi. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, Matt, what's your number two? Well, that depends. Does Rachel, do you have another question you'd like to interject with at this juncture? Now that you've taken a huge drink of water and can't talk. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> let me think. You go first, and then I'll, I'll think of another thing to ask you guys in between. All right, so my number Oh, no, two... hold on. I do oh. have a question. Be okay. quiet, Matt. Yeah. I had a question. <laughs> Good. Have at her. What for you guys, um, I know that you, you do, you know, the, the review episode, so I don't know if there's necessarily, actually, no, there, there should be for you guys. What is your favorite episode that you guys have done? But in terms of like the conversation that you guys have had, um, with you, with each other, obviously, 
Um, what's the most memorable ones? Like the most memorable arguments that you guys have had or the most memorable time just like <laughs> praising a movie, something like that. There is only one time where we've had an argument that has actually threatened our friendship. Okay. Do, you, do you remember what it was? Oh, you go ahead I and think, tell her. You go I ahead think, and tell we, her. We have, I don't think it was actually on air. It was our prep for a, <laughs> one podcast. And I think you were having a really bad time. I was having a bad time. We're very, <laughs> we're very, we're in a loving relationship. So we're very open and honest with each other. And um, and Ben Affleck got announced as Batman, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it's the closest we've come to actually just burning it all down because you, you were <laughs> so so that was a long pro. time ago. You were pro, and I was anti, and I can't think of anything else that's taken us to that edge, like anywhere close to that edge. Turns out he was great. So what do I know? <laughs> So, so uh, what's interesting about that is that um, this was actually in the period that was like 2013, <laughs> like a decade ago. And uh, we were, I don't remember, we weren't really podcasting at that point, but we were writing. And if you go and search on awesomefriday.ca, there are two, two editorials called, called So, Ben Affleck is Batman. And the only difference between them is the one I wrote has an exclamation point because I was excited by it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's there's two of them there. And uh, I mean, to to more properly answer the question, I think I don't. None of the episodes really, honestly, stand out to me as like super memorable individually. But um, God, yeah, when Ben Affleck was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> There was the, there was that one episode recently. What was the film that I refused to give a star to because I hated it so much? Was it old? Uh, it I might have been. I, I uh, what, like what I was what I was going to say is for me, I can't remember any one specifically where I'm like, yeah, that's the one. But what I will say is the yeah. one, the ones where we're either completely aligned yeah. or completely diametrically opposed are the ones yeah. that I enjoy the most. Yeah, the ones yeah, where, totally. or and and this is very specific and it happens all the time. When one of us goes like, oh, I'm worried I'm not going to have anything to say. And those always end up being the longest ones. <laughs> like, always. Because we just end up talking about whatever we're talking about forever. So I just pulled up your guys' two um, op-eds about that. And I just wanted... I haven't read them, obviously, because um, we're doing this. But the pictures you guys chose. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've actually... Uh, so when we reskinned, when I redesigned the site, I made it so that like there's a featured image which is bigger, and I've actually yes. updated it on mine, but not on his too. No, it's, oh, but it's your, so the one that Matt chose is like real director. It's very Ben Affleck, very Hollywood. He looks very handsome, yeah, very brooding. It's great. Um, it's lovely. And then the chose, he looks like such a twat in that picture. It's unbelievable. Yeah, don't worry, everyone. I will. I will link these in the show notes. Oh man, uh, I don't. I don't think I was as good a writer in 2013 as I am today, but I think I made some oh, cogent points. I'm gonna That's revisit so that. funny. That is oh, hilarious. Man. I'm so uh, glad I asked. I want to remind myself. <laughs> see if let's see if our search function works on the site. It does. I just searched it. Does, app yeah. And popped it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at some point because I can't remember which one. <laughs> I can't remember which one you uh, you gave no stars to, but I should go and like ta tag all the reviews so that we can like search it up because I feel like that's probably oh, a good one. Wow, I'm no, Simon, you ended 
years off with, I'd even take Clooney back. <laughs> uh, I've got a tiny. I've got a tiny confession to make. Oh, it was it was ghosted. It was ghosted earlier this year. Oh, okay. Oh, ghost, ghost terrible is, movie. Ghost though, is, yeah, I refuse to give a star to and you're like so it's unrated i'm like no no it's oh, no. zero it's zero out of zero. five no that one's still so, has, that's a rating that one still has two so what was it oh really was uh, it because i distinctly old. remember like we only give ratings one one to five and you didn't want to give it anything so i made i made a, a rating design <laughs> a thing that a thing that's like the shrug emoji for that one for you <laughs> i think it was old maybe was i don't know old? i'll see if i can find it while we're Oh, it was. I bet you. I think I just found it. I bet you that it was this one that's taking forever to load. Yeah, it was Cocaine Bear. Oh, Cocaine Bear, of course. Yeah, Cocaine Bear. The the I wrote. That's the only time I've ever written anything in my letterbox review, which is that would be the elusive zero star film. That's the only writing I've ever done. Oh, I like that movie. What's What's really interesting about that is that that's one of those episodes where, like, I gave that movie a two out of five. I thought it was (laughs) mostly inoffensive, but not very good. Um, But the other movie we did that week was Brother. So, like, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like our choices... I think it's really interesting. I think it always works that we do, we do two films, but sometimes they just couldn't be more different, and I really appreciate that. Amazing. Uh, okay, sorry, I derailed. Go go do number two now, Matthew. Yeah, we'll see you. Uh, okay, so you're going to notice um, a, uh, a theme, maybe. Maybe theme's the wrong word, but there's a few things in common with my number two and my number one. But my number two... Uh, and I don't know how to lead up with this, but it is the very quietly devastating Aftersun by oh. Charlotte Wells, uh, which is a film about an 11-year-old girl on a vacation with her father. Um, it is shot from the and told from the point of view of the young daughter. And I was already aware of Paul Mescal at that point because my wife and I watched Normal People and really, really, really liked it. Like, he's really good in that. So is Daisy Edgar Jones. But when I saw this one, and I saw it quite late in, like, the run. I think I saw it right before the Oscars, because he was rightfully so nominated for Best Actor. Um, so I didn't see it technically the year it came out. But uh, I don't know how to describe this movie other than just, like, devastating. Like, it is so interestingly and well shot it does such a good job of putting you at the point of view of this 11 year old child watching but not really understanding that her father is going through something while they're on this vacation um simon have you seen this movie yet i don't think so i i i have purposefully not watched this film uh because i have a nine-year-old daughter and I am fully aware that any stories with kids like really get to me. I can't watch, as you know, Matt, I can't watch kids in danger. I can't watch. I can watch like Evil Dead Rise. I thought was amazing. That that kids in danger is fine, but kids genuinely getting hurt or any kind of father daughter and like I've got a twelve year old son as well, and I would I like I can watch father sons getting in trouble, but not kids. There's something about a daughter relationship. Um, I'm a complete like she's got me wrapped around a little finger. I'm completely like 
I know so, I can't watch that film. I know if I watched that film, I probably won't be able to breathe for like a week. And I, I'm not ready to put myself through that. So it makes it difficult to talk about um, because I want you to see it because it is so good. Mm. Um, and I don't want to spoil any of it. But the depiction of the relationship between Frankie Coiro's character and Paul mm. Mescal's character, one that is obviously strained, one that she doesn't fully understand why it's strained. How the film goes to these really interesting places and ways to show you things that are happening that you as a viewer will understand, but that she will not about what's going on with Paul Mescal. Um, I just don't know how to describe Like if this movie didn't make my like top 10 of the year, but only because I didn't see it in a year. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's uh and then there's, I can't talk about it, but like the very last scene. So the, the main story is interspersed with all these shots of him dancing at a nightclub. And the last scenes of the film, which resolve that and also the main plot, mm. um, just like hit me in the emotions mm. with a 20 pound sledgehammer. I've heard that. And, in a way that I just was not quite prepared for. And unlike a lot of other movies that have done that, it stuck with me forever. Like I, mm-hmm. like I still occasionally just like think of the last shot of that movie and go, Oh God, like that mm-hmm. was so like devastating and beautiful. And just the whole thing, it just washes over you in a way that I can't quite describe. I'm sure that's coming through. It's, it's hard to talk about because you haven't seen it, um, mm-hmm. but I haven't had a film reach into me and pull out my emotions like that since I mean the last film that really did that would have been Columbus in 2016 I think mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. um, uh, just like reached in and just like found something that and just pulled it out and mm-hmm. I was I wept like a child at the end mm-hmm. of that movie um, and I get teary when I think about it now mm-hmm. uh, so what I'm trying to say is you should watch this movie uh, maybe maybe one day yeah. Shall Rachel, I do my number? Oh, Rachel, thoughts? <laughs> are you are you the one person I know who didn't like that movie? I wouldn't say I didn't like it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. I won't say that. But you wouldn't say you liked it either. Is that what's it going just, on? It's just the the movie. And okay, first off, I'll say the the movie didn't do anything for me. I'll just say that much. Like I I think it's a very well done movie, and I think Paul Mescal's amazing in it. Um, as is the young actress. Was it Frankie? What's her last uh, name? Corio. Corio. Like, I think it's a very well done movie. It just did nothing for me. Now, number one, I had COVID when I watched it. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe that influenced my, my brain a little bit. Um, but number two, somebody said to me, they were like, well, maybe they're, <laughs> they go, maybe it's like a privileged spot to be in that that movie does nothing for you because it just I mean, means maybe. that you're like you you didn't have um this kind of strained relationship with your dad when you were growing up and i was like yeah i didn't so maybe that's why i don't know it just it's one of those movies that when it i watched it i had a lot of anticipation for it because people were so glowing about it mm. and then i watched it and i went yeah it's fine like i i get it i understand all the beats that they're hitting and and why it can be affecting um, it just did nothing. It just did nothing for me, um, and I don't really know. 
I, I, I've thought about watching it again, but I'll be honest, it's just like, I'm like, I don't, what's the point? I don't see why I would want to watch it again. But people talk about it in very glowing terms, as you just did, and so I don't really like to... Because I have nothing against the movie either. There's nothing for me to shit on in this movie. It's not yeah. like I don't like it. It's just one of those movies that just didn't connect with me. Yeah, I can sort of get that. I mean, I I didn't have a... I wouldn't go so far as to say that I've, I've ever had a bad relationship with my father, but I've definitely had times where my relationship with my father was fraught, would be the word, maybe. Um, but it actually didn't connect with me in, in that way. It connected with me in a way where I very much connected with Paul Mescal's mm-hmm. character. Okay. Um, and it made me think about things. I am not a parent, but it made me think about what kind of parent I might be and how I might handle being a parent in a way that right. again, just like ripped my soul out. Um, yeah. And uh, a little dead inside and um, that might have. Also oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I I'm literally one of like maybe five people who are like, I just didn't do anything for me. Um, I, do, I don't, I've read um, somebody, I can't remember where I read this now, but somebody was being very critical of it in terms of it being like, oh, it's boring, it's this, it's that. I'm like, I don't think it's any of those things. I think it's very well done. It's very good storytelling. It's very interesting storytelling. It's just not for me, that's all. That's fair. I mean, I will confess that another film along the same lines for me, even though I, I still give it a high rating, um, I, I didn't connect with, uh, what was it called? Shit, the one with Stephen Young, uh, where um, he's like uh, an immigrant Min- farmer. Minari. Minari. Oh, Minari, that's the one. Yeah. Everyone talks about that like it's like it's the best movie ever, and I recognize everything about it is great, and I think it's pretty good, pretty pretty good, pretty good. Same, that's I, I mean like deal. I think that's the thing though. Like I, there was a a movie Turning Red, um, and you guys know it. Yeah. That came out, and there was like a critic who was very like rude about it i think what you and i just did matthew of saying these are two movies that we have absolutely no connection with for um, various reasons i'm sure um but we can both step back and recognize it's still a well-done movie like that's just kind of how it is it's just nothing that we personally connected with but there was a critic who really went after turning red and basically i remember like, that yeah, yeah remember. and that was to me that is like not a cool way of, yeah. of yeah, going that, after the movie but i remember just, that because you know the old saying is that every day Twitter has a main character and the goal is to not be it. Uh, and that guy was definitely it for a day or two. Yeah. Tony yeah. Red was on my shortlist that almost made the cut. I love that really? film. Love that film. It's funny. Yeah. The movie was basically meant for me and like, and I liked yeah. it. I think it's very good. I wouldn't say I loved it though, but I do think it was very good. If I had I, included four star movies uh, in my shortlist, it, I think it would have been on there, but I did not. Yeah. I only chose films I gave five-star reviews to. Um, Simon, what's your number two? My number two. So I talked about creativity. I am also... uh, A major part of my life is music, and I also like to be challenged. So my number two is Babylon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing, actually. I I went into that film... uh, I'd I'd seen... um, Oh, what's the the Emma Stone Gosling? La La film? Land. La La Land ruined me, so um, I I wasn't sure. I and I'd heard Babylon. I had so many people 
say that Babylon was a mess and not very good and crude and disgusting. So I, I wasn't sure going into this film. And from the second it started, from that, <laughs> the elephant, into the party, <laughs> into that, talk about one shots, the one shot of yeah. the start of the party, I have no idea how they organized that one shot. The music, that soundtrack is just like, there's something in it, in that, that got my, I was just connected with that film. And then it just kept unraveling. And I love the idea of these, these old movie stars, uh, in a similar way to it, it trod a lot of similar ground that the artist did, except I really hated the artist, but I thought this was a really fantastic, um, exploration of an actor learning that they're no longer in in what the public want anymore yeah uh, as as margot robbie's character ascended brad pitt who i think is brilliant in this film just struggles to find where his place is anymore and and the whole thing is just shot with pure electricity and then you've got Tommy mcguire is like the greasiest like <laughs> snm club owner and it just it's such a dirty film it is so grimy and it is so covered in a thin layer of cocaine and um it's such a wonderful uh explosion of what it means to want to be famous and what that actually means for you as a person and your soul and i thought the uh tied together brilliantly by diego calva as manny and then at least that moment where he's he goes to the movies and sees the future of film. And I know it's incredible, incredibly pretentious, but it just worked for me like gangbusters, the whole thing, like all the things I love music and film and confrontational stories and just dynamic storytelling and just weird and grimy and dirty. It kind of felt like when I went to Vegas for four days, it just, it, <laughs> I, I, I've got a bit of a, I've got a bit of a narcissistic streak like buried and, it, it felt the same way. And I, I just, I came out of that film and took a breath because I felt like I'd been holding my breath for a couple of hours and just blew me away. And I watched it again recently. And I, this is just like electric. And I can see why people would, some people would hate it because it is, it does not hold back. I think many people described it as like career suicide for the director because he just, he, he takes aim on this industry and does not hold back. And, uh, I think it's incredible, incredible film. I'm with you. I'm I'm one of the people I really liked Babylon. And I've I've tried to deny it, tried to, to deny it, but <laughs> I really love it. I the first time I watched it, actually, he was no big deal. He was in attendance. Damien Chazelle was in attendance. No big deal, you guys. Um, <laughs> and he he did a Q and A afterwards, and I I really like Damien Chazelle. I think he's such an interesting filmmaker. Um, like he's young, and it's curious. I'm curious to see what he does. But I really enjoyed Babylon, and then I got a link for it, and I thought I'm not gonna watch another. Like, why am I gonna watch a three-hour movie again? Mm. And then I would just put it on because I really mm. like the music. I mm. really enjoy the music in that. And eventually, I would just get sucked in, and I would just mm. sit there and watch it again because mm. it's so good. And I've yeah. seen it more times than I thought I would watch it. Actually, mm. I really enjoy that movie, though. I'll say Tobey Maguire is where it kind of falls off for me. That's yeah, the point totally. that I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely. Not, not feeling this one, but I loved Brad Pitt's character and I like the arc of that and the idea of, um, yeah, no longer being relevant and what happens when 
you know, these stars kind of come tumbling down. Oh, maybe I have to watch it again, like with Elvis yeah. in mind. I'm be- so I'm so sick of color being leached from modern films and Babylon yeah. was so vibrant, like vibrant, almost like a technicolor, yeah. like old fashioned. Yeah. And I, I, I really responded to that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I don't think I've actually rewatched it. Um, but I can tell you that I have listened to the score a Oof. roughly uncountable number of times. So good. Um, especially the first couple of tracks on the score, uh, which are mm. from the party scene that you were talking about. Um, I think is I, whatever awards it didn't, it didn't win last year. It was robbed. Like mm-hmm. I know it won some and it lost some, but the ones that it lost, it was robbed. I mm, think yeah. that, uh, that composer, is on track Justin to be Kerwitz. Yeah, Justin Kerwitz is on his way to being my current, to being my favorite working composer, which is a pretty high bar to get, get over for me because I'm such a big fan of Michael Giacchino. Um, mm-hmm. But between that score and First Man, um, say nothing of La La Land or Whiplash, but between yeah. Babylon and First Man, I think he's composed two of the greatest scores of the last 10 years. I also love like the little relationship the two of them have, the little partnership they have. Like they're friends from high school yeah. and they work together and like I like that story and I like um I like how they figured out a way to kind of balance the two of them together. Like both of their skills come through and they they really complement one another. So For sure. I also yeah. think it was interesting cause I if memory serves I think we watched it in I don't know if it's, I would say, close proximity, but within some proximity of watching Blonde, and it mm. it made it made the the horrificness of that one even more apparent because it tried to explore some similar things and just became it was very lurid, and Babylon managed to do, I would say, more lurid's the wrong word, but like more gross stuff to examine things more closely, but without being without being leery and without being exploitative of the people involved, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think I liked it quite as much as you did, Simon, but like, it's a solid, mm-hmm. that's a solid four star movie it's for me. Good, good movie. And uh, I'm sure that when I do eventually watch it again, and honestly, at this point, I'm just waiting to find like a 4k special edition of it. And when yeah, I watched, I didn't, I didn't when I watched that, that when I when I whenever I watch that, it'll be the time I'm sure. It's one of those ones where I'm ninety percent sure that when I watch it again, it'll go up to being five stars because mm-hmm. it's it is that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. You know, a a second second viewing reveals all. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah. Okay, good. So Rachel, what's your second? My second is All Quiet on the Western Front. Ooh, my um, choice. Love this movie. I That's love it good. so so much and. It's a story it has been told before. It's a great book. Um, and it's been told really well before, I will say that too. Like the, the older versions of it are absolutely fantastic. They're really great pieces of filmmaking. And I think that this is a good updated modern telling of an old story. Like it's told through a bit of a modern day lens without being modern day. Um, I love, I, I like good war movies as well. I'm big on, big on war movies. Um, but this one is just different for me. You, um, Simon, you talked about like Midsommar. You don't want to watch it again because mm-hmm. you like that initial experience you had. And I have the same thing with All Quiet. It's like I never want to watch this movie again simply because 
the initial experience Ooh. I had watching it was so visceral and strong. Oh. I will never top that ever again. And I don't want to, so I haven't I haven't gone back to watch it, but it is it's just a phenomenal feat of filmmaking in my opinion. I think yeah. it's yeah, it's incredible. It's I it's a war movie in a way that I haven't seen a war movie done before. Uh for a story that has been told um, oh. a few times now, I think. Yeah. And, and, and from from just a filmmaking point of view, like we I talked a few moments ago about how that scene from the Green Knight is sort of unrivaled as a as a singular piece of visual storytelling, but the opening to All Quiet oh my God. would be maybe number two for that. The mm. the whole section where yeah. it just follows the uniforms, yeah, from the from the you know out to the front and back again, um, is just gut gut wrenching. Just knowing I'll the like never... machine, it's such a good way yeah. to preface the machine that they're about to step into. I will never forget, like, after the the title comes up, like, in that opening sequence, and then something happens, and the title comes up. The theater I was in, it was packed. Like, it was absolutely packed. And you you either heard silence and then a few gasps. Like, people were like, oh, my God. Like, it was such, um, it was the strongest opening I've ever, the most emotion I felt in watching <clears throat> the opening of any movie. It was incredible. What struck me about this version of All Quiet is that I've watched a lot of war movies. I studied mm -hmm. Second World War in history when I was in college, and so we, we watched a lot of different war films. And I don't think I've seen a war movie that truly captured the, ho the, the horror of it, the reality mm -hmm. of it, and the absolute hopelessness of being in that situation. And, and not, not there's no exit just because you're heroic like it doesn't matter who you are and it if you're <clears throat> if you're not high up then you're going to the front and you're dying and you're dying terribly and that the uh the tank scene really got to me yes actually because mm -hmm. they the fact that they are kids and, and yeah. again it comes back to having like i've got a 12 year old son like this he's, he's not far off being of the age where he would be in that situation and it's shot without any sensationalism and it's shot without any kind of uh, James Bond, like <laughs> come back and fight at the last minute. And when he's hiding out in the house as well, it's just, just incredibly visceral and upsetting and incredible as a feat of filmmaking to, to truly capture what I've always felt was the horror of that. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's amazing. I think, as I recall, when we talked about that film, I think the line that we used was that it was the film that 1917 wishes it was. Yeah. Yeah, I like you know? 1917, but I totally agree. Yeah. It's... 1917 is what you're saying about, not to say 1917 glamorized war, but I think it is the more, the pretty version of... Mm -hmm. For sure, yeah. You know, all Quiet is. It, it, it's just the nicer, the nicer looking, more palatable thing, yeah. because I think All Quiet is upsetting is a very good word um to describe mm. it that you said simon i think it's uh it's a very very upsetting movie but it's great because it is so upsetting mm. yeah it really gets into the yeah. it really dives into the horror of warfare in a way that mm -hmm. i mean that we probably haven't seen since I, that year that we had saving private ryan and the thin red line in the same year <laughs> i think dunkirk has elements where it's quite successful especially at the end of dunkirk where they're coming back and the boys are so oh, dejected yeah. and they think they're done and they are bemused that they are greeted as heroes and and broken yeah. in so many ways and i think that dunkirk has that element but this is like a whole film of that 
and knowing that it is so uh, it's close to the book which is close to the reality and it's just like how can one human put another human through that it's, yeah i mean the difference the difference there is that dunkirk posits that you can go home again <laughs> yeah uh, you know like yeah. uh, all quiet is very upfront with the idea that you can never go home again you know like yeah. like any great war story really honestly should be like the, the experience will change you. Uh, yeah. And even if you come home a, he a hero, you'll never be the same. Yeah. And I feel like All Quiet is more successful in that way. Mm hmm. Yeah. Good choice, Rachel. Excellent. So we get to our number ones. We're an hour and a quarter in. So we should get to our number ones. So this is our nuclear option. All other movies are deleted for the last few years. <laughs> so, Matt. So the only things that will exist technically are our three movies, I guess. So, um, Ooh, it would be cool if they complement each other well. Yeah, we don't like, know what the we other... don't know. Yes, we don't know what yeah. everyone's picked, so it might we might have chosen the same film at some point. If well, we first, all chosen first, the same film, I'll, I'd love that. I sincerely doubt that's the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me too. But before we move on, Rachel, any more interview questions you want to get out of the way? I can't I, think I've of been, any. I've been really enjoying this, like. <laughs> revisiting through your questions our history so if you have anything i, I no nothing more um i will say it is is past midnight of where i'm at and uh, my brain is <laughs> yeah, not functioning we'll at, Come on, at let's all get on. Let's do our firing on all cylinders <laughs> all right well i guess okay, well, i will i will start with my number one the film to replace all films uh for the past two years yeah, july it's... 2021 to 2023 <laughs> Is? would be the feature direct door directorial debut of Michael Sarnowski starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, Pig. Uh, Pig. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the films I hadn't seen. I was like, I that's probably I should have probably seen Pig before. Yeah. Um I said earlier when I was talking about After Sun that like um that movie reached in and pulled emotions out of me in a way that hadn't happened since Columbus. And that's a lie. Like it happened with this movie too. Um <laughs> And there's a, it's again you haven't seen it, Simon, so it's it's really hard. I'm sorry that I'm going to spoil something. No, you be about it because, but the scene that really hammers home everything about this movie. First off, it's a super weird movie. Uh, it's about a guy who's hermited himself, and his his truffle pig is abducted, and he goes on a quest to get his pig back. It sounds at first blush like it's going to be Nicolas Cage's John Wick. It is very much not that. I'm gonna, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you and say they did market it like it was that. Though. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the, the thing that kind of annoys me about that marketing was like everyone yeah. says, oh, it looks like John Wick, um, Nicolas Cage doing John Wick. And I'm like, yeah, because they made us think that. Like, that's what yeah. it was. And it was not that movie at all. But sorry. I mean, if you only if you only watch the trailer, then, yeah, I would not fault yeah. you for thinking that's what it was. Um, but, yeah, he's he he, he lives in the bush. He has a truffle pig. They find truffles. They sell them to a young man who's played by Alex Wolf, who I think is a super underrated performer at Very this much point. So. Yeah. Um, Alex Wolf is the son of Adam Arkin in the film. Adam Arkin, who's only in the film for like 10, 15 minutes at most, but manages to own all of his scenes in a way that, you know, we kind of forgot about Alan Arkin, and I feel like maybe, or Adam Arkin, and uh, not Alan Arkin, Adam Arkin. Uh, we've kind of forgot about him and he really I think that works in his favor for this movie um, but it turns out to just be this like 
again, it's super weird. Like he goes on this quest. He goes to like Seattle's underground chef fight club <laughs> to get information about where his pig might be. You know, he never bathes in the whole movie. So like by the two thirds mark, he's got like dried blood on his face and he's just relentless in this quest to get his pig back. And eventually he finds out that Adam Arkin is the one behind it. Alex Wolf's father, because they are competing his Alex Wolf and his father are like competing suppliers of like um, bougie foodstuffs for restaurants. Um, and there's two scenes in particular. The one that's more memorable probably is the one where they go to this, this haute cuisine restaurant and Nicolas Cage just systematically destroys the chef emotionally and philosophically over the kind of food that he's making. It's a great scene. Really reminds you how Nicolas Cage really is one of the greatest actors of our time. Like, for better or for worse, dude makes a lot of choices. A lot of capital C choices. But when he when he chooses to act, he is one of the best there is. But the scene that really hammers it home for me, and I'm sorry if you haven't seen Pig, but it's right at the very end where he he is basically Adam Arkin won't tell him where the pig is. So this character remembers every single meal he's ever cooked. And he remembers cooking like the dinner from the Adam Arkin's first date with his now deceased wife. And he makes that meal again and it brings out the emotion at Adam Arkin. He, he confesses that the pig is dead. And when they go outside, Alex Wolf is like, well, what are we going to do now? Like, how are we going to find truffles? And Nicolas Cage rob is like well the trees will tell you where truffles. i don't need the pig to find truffles <laughs> like the trees will tell me where the truffles are like don't worry about that and when alex wolf's characters is like well then why did we do all this for the pig and nicholas cage just says well because i love her <laughs> and it just like reduces me to tears every time i see it it's making me misty thinking about it right now <laughs> um I, I don't know, man, like that film just, again, like reaches inside me and pulls out. It's so like purely about love and oh. I love every second of it. It's, it's, it's all, it's just the right level of weird and it's just the right level of sincere and it's perfectly emotional and I love every frame of it. It's also oh. just beautifully shot and beautifully performed, but I love yeah. every frame of that movie. And if we only had get to have one movie from July 2021 to July 2023, that is the one. At least until I see Barbie next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I will say I I love that movie too. I think Pig is is an extraordinary movie, and I think Nicolas Cage, like you said, he makes he makes a lot of choices. But his career would be very different if he had stuck to very specific types of movies. So this one uh, was at Raising Arizona. Um, many of but I love him. I think, you know, face off rock. Come on, Con Air. That, we, we, we don't, we don't mess around with those, but yeah, I think pig is, is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. And um, I did love that, that kind of reveal at the end, such a simple reveal of like, yeah, I never needed these the pig for that reason. I just love, yeah. love the, love the pig. Um, yeah, that's a phenomenal choice. I think that that's it's such a great movie from the last few years, and oddly one that not I don't think is underrated. I think that people rate it correctly, um, but I feel like not enough people talk about it because 
uh, people would rather talk about something like a Renfield, which is a good Nicolas Cage performance, mind you. It's a very, very good one. But uh, yeah, Pig is Pig is special. It's a special movie. Yeah, I think I think our conversations around Nicolas Cage are interesting because we often remember all the schlock, right? We remember that at one point he was nearly bankrupt and he just made a bunch of really shitty movies and he made like four of them a year for a decade. Yeah. But what we forget to talk about a lot of the time is that for every one, every like three or four of those, there's a pig and there's a Joe and there's a Mandy and there's all these other amazing performances where he's like, okay, this is the one I'm showing up for. Like this one's not for the paycheck. I'm interested in this one. And um when he does that i i legitimately like without any reservation will say he is one of the greatest actors of our time but he just also makes a lot of schlock so it's hard to call him that overall (laughs) but i i legitimately think that he's also in my favorite marvel movie (laughs) (laughs) any any excuse to talk about ghost rider Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, which Marvel movie? Ghost, uh, Marvel Knights, Ghost Rider Two, Spirit of Vengeance is my favorite comic book movie. My favorite Marvel movie. One of my favorite movies. Full stop. I have two copies of the Blu-ray. Uh, one, <laughs> one up here. One with a lenticular cover, and uh, I'm very happy with my choices. I just want to say this is an audio format, and Simon, his face just lit up. Looking up. <laughs> At his collection, his face just lit up, saying uh, that he had two copies. I love lenticular covers. Yeah, I mean, it, it uh, does. It does have a really great Kieran Hines performance in it too, as as it's the a devil. Great film. Mm-hmm. It's a great, great film. It's way too late to get me talking about why Ghost Rider Two: Spirits of Vengeance is a great <laughs> film. Okay, the main thing being in the first Ghost Rider, they just did a full CG Ghost Rider, and it was terrible. In the second one, they're like. Hang on, we've got Nicolas Cage. Okay, you know, honestly... How, how, how about we've, we just we've... let you be the demon and we CG over your face and it's amazing. All right, no more Ghost Rider. Like, honestly, we'll be here all night. Like, yeah, it's okay. just... That's you might a special as, episode in itself. You might as well get me talking about okay. Airplane or Star Trek 2. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should I do my number two? Because it's getting late. My... No, my number one. My number one, sorry. Yeah, your so number one. My nuclear choice. So, my movie that has moved me the most... In the last two years, it has entirely surprised me. I watched it again today just to make sure I cannot get over how beautiful this film is, which is surprising because I literally hated this director's movies, every other movie apart from one. My nuclear film for the, the last two years that I want to keep is The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. Wow. What? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> So I'm very confused by this because I've been very, very vocal about Wes Anderson in the past. Um, yes. Including on our shared Twitter chat, uh, on the podcast, to many, many different people. Um, apart from Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I found interesting because I love the stop frame animation, I found his movies uh, just really smug. I didn't enjoy the smugness of, mm-hmm. especially something like Grand Budapest Hotel. Really hated Tenenbaums. Did not like Darjeeling. Um, uh, I just call not... my favorite Wes Anderson movie smug. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> it is incredibly smug. But so, so yeah. when I when I put on French Dispatch, I put it on because it was on Crave, and I was curious. I think I was, I sometimes I just need an opinion. I wanted to make sure, like, I still hate him. 
I and it just it just something happened with the French Dispatch, and it's there in Asteroid City as well. I don't know if it's because he's becoming more theatrical, and theatre is one of my great loves. And French Dispatch is uh, I love the episodic nature. I love how it's about the power of words to tell stories in a theatrical backdrop, talking about art, and also it's the death of that editor. And it's really, it loops back around to something I was saying at the top of this podcast. I really think a lot about the death of writing as an art and, and as our culture, we're moving away from it, especially with what's happening with AI at the moment as well. And I feel like it, it, it's a microcosm of so many things I love. And I love the episodic nature and I love its theatrical elements. And um, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It doesn't, it doesn't feel smug at all. It feels really honest. It feels really authentic. I love the wordplay. I I love how precise it is. I love how much heart it has. I, I also love I've been to the town it was filmed in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm as confused as anyone else. And honestly, when I watch Asteroid City, um, I I'm still processing how I feel about that. French Dispatch and Asteroid City share a lot in their presentation, especially in the theatrical elements that Asteroid City fundamentally pushes to the front. But the, um, I, I just rewatched it today and just blown away at how uh, passionate it is and how authentic it is about the love that these people have for the things they're writing about. And that really speaks to me. And this, I can't think I went, I've been through every movie release of the last two years, like one by one and hand on heart. I couldn't tell you there's been another film that's affected me so much as this film. So that, I mean, <laughs> su- surprise. Okay. This, <laughs> I mean, yeah. surprise. I, I mean, I said this to you when you, you brought up, um, French Dispatch in the chat, which was I said I fell asleep. I've tried to watch it three times, and I just keep falling asleep mm-hmm. watching it. And it isn't to say it's a bad movie because I keep falling asleep. It's just it doesn't hold my attention. But I'm yeah, I'm not a Wes Anderson fan, but I do find it interesting that his last two movies, his own fans, like his core fan base, mm-hmm. seem to be kind of moving off of yeah him right and, and it kind of makes me interested to say well does that mean that the rest of us who didn't care for his stuff um mm-hmm. before are is this now our time to be Wes anderson i fans? absolutely i'll agree, give it yeah. another try i because i do it, it's interesting to me that like french dispatch and asteroid city both are seeming to get the same response from his fan base and that in a weird way is promising to me that maybe yeah. maybe now i like it i don't know no, absolutely. I found it fascinating that the first film of his I loved is the one that the fan base disliked yeah. the most. Yeah. So so there's definitely a change there. And mm-hmm. it's a change that I'm responding to and his other fans that I don't know what you thought of French Dispatch, Matt, but his fans of his other work are not responding to. So there's definitely something changing there. So my opinion of the French Dispatch is that it's totally fine. I don't happening against it i very generally i find wes anderson movies to be a little bit hit or miss but even the misses i'm like yeah i get why people like this like french dispatch solid three stars royal tenenbaums solid three stars and then the ones that i love like grand budapest 
uh, yeah, I just end up loving them entirely. Um, the French Dispatch is just not one of those for me. Like, I, I, I get why you like it. And honestly, everything you said is stuff that I agree with and reasons why I should love it. And I couldn't tell you why I don't exactly. It just does not connect with me. Um, I didn't fall asleep during it. I just didn't, I just didn't connect <laughs> with it like at all. Um, I mean, I connected with it enough to real to say that, yeah, it's a good movie. You should probably see it for yourself. Um, but I don't, I don't have strong feelings about it, which is weird because I really feel like mm. everything is, again, everything you said is stuff that I agree with and I would normally feel about film. And I feel like, I feel like as Wes Anderson has progressed, he's gotten more Wes Anderson-y. And I haven't seen Asteroid City, but I feel like around the time of Grand Budapest was when that sort of reached its perfect balance. And I feel like French Dispatch was maybe a little over the line, like a little on the wrong side of too much quirk. And I think maybe that's why it didn't work for me. But um, I mean, I'm glad it works for you. So I love it. Thumbs up. Uh, I'm I am actually legitimately jealous because it is a film that I wish that I loved. Like, it seems like, it, again, it seems like it should be for me. And for whatever reason, it's just not. In a million cool. years, I would not have picked French Dispatch to be yeah. your thing that you <laughs> were. Like, that's what you were about to say. I was like, yeah. where's he going with this? <laughs> so what's your number one, then? Um, mine is a movie um, called Nine Days. I don't know if you guys um, have uh, seen it. Yes, we love that movie. It is, uh, you talk about movies that have had like a lasting impact um, since you watched it. And I, that movie, this is one of those movies for me. It is, so it's, it's by a director, Edson Oda, who he was inspired by his uh, uncle who committed suicide when he was, uh, when, when Edson was young. Um, and that just stuck with him, obviously. And it's a movie about somebody who's an arbiter for souls. They get to decide which souls are chosen to go down into Earth and be born and become human and live a life and all that kind of stuff. So he interviews a bunch of different souls that uh, and they have over the course of nine days, they get to decide he gets to decide who is best equipped to deal with um, to deal with earth to deal with living and at one point he himself so this is winston duke as well who's just um very very phenomenal in that Mm -hmm. it is just a movie that i could not stop thinking about i went back to the movie theater and i watched it so many times by myself because nobody else is in the theater watching it i just love it it's one of those that i cannot speak highly enough of and it's one i know i've recommended it to people and some people just don't get it they're just like i don't is he god i'm like he's not god Stop yeah. it. they're like oh, we they ever, someone told me they're like we were waiting for like a twist that it was like a reveal i'm like it's not it's not that kind of movie <laughs> there is no reveal there is no twist it just is what it is um but it's devastating it's beautiful it is everything and i love the filmmaking behind it too it's very simple Ooh, it's very yeah. um cozy it's very lived in and um i yeah i love it and it has stayed with me. I think about things like that a lot. Like I think about death a lot. I think about um, like purpose and what we're doing here and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think about it too often. And this is one of those movies that just really hit the nail on the head for me. Mm-hmm. I remember when we watched this movie, cause it was maybe the biggest surprise of that year for me. Yeah. Um, came out of nowhere. Um, I, I knew I knew that Winston Duke was good, 
Um, mm-hmm. And this is the movie where I was like, oh, okay, he's going to be an Oscar winner one day. Like, he's going to be a massive, yeah. either a massive superstar or that guy who just cleans up Oscars later in life, right? Like, yeah. he, or both. Or both. Be both. Um, be both. I remember loving, remembering that, you know, Zazie Beats yeah. is phenomenal. I and, and Benedict Wong, although his part is somewhat small, Shows I love up, his part, shows up in his natural yeah. Lancashire accent and <laughs> is just just the right level to brings just the right level of like levity to the proceedings, yeah. and then just the whole like existential crisis that this existential being is going through at the same time, uh, and of course resolving with that amazing monologue at the end. Oh, so good. Um, from that Walt Women monologue. Uh, yeah, I remember very distinctly giving that movie five stars when we watched it. Um, I love it, and I'm I'm reasonably sure it was on my best of the year list. Uh, I'm I mean I'm 100 percent sure. I don't remember where, but it's definitely on my list. It was so good. So this is my French Dispatch. I didn't like it as much as you. Like mm-hmm. I, there's so many elements of this film that I usually respond to for exactly the same reasons that you described. Like all the tones, the filmmaking cast i love zazie beats i think she's incredible and and the rest of the cast is great as well and uh it didn't didn't resonate for me and i and i'm surprised by that too i thought this would be exactly my kind of thing and it just felt <sighs> tiny it just felt a bit hollow for me at the end interesting i can't remember i get that too though i do understand that i think if this is one of those movies that either it hits or it doesn't and That's a good i way would to put say it. Yeah, it's, and it's it's there's some movies that universally I think hit like All Quiet for example. I don't know anybody who would watch that and come away being like, yeah, whatever. Like, I didn't really feel very much for it. You'd be really weird. You'd be borderline sociopathic if you came away from that movie and not really felt anything. But a movie like this, I would say, even after Sun, I put um, French Dispatch, even though I haven't really watched the whole thing yet. But it's like there are certain movies that they either hit or they don't. And um, yeah, I got that. I get it, but yeah, this movie really worked for me. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I wish I feel like it's slept on too. I feel like it's definitely oh, it it was it's like, such a small small movie, and yeah. I think one day when Winston Duke is you know atop a of Hollywood, people are going to go back into his filmography, and this is going to be one that they pick out and be like, oh shit, he did this movie. Um, and it but, had such a long a long gap between because I think it premiered originally like Sundance the year before so that's like a like a solid like 14 or 16 month gap between the I buzz do you believe and the it release. was one of those that was like a pandemic thing like something like yeah. everything kind of got stalled because of that I mean lots of movies fall into that bracket um but I was gonna say what is we have nine days French Dispatch and sorry Matt I forgot what yours is already <laughs> uh pig. pig 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 was the number one do they complement a... each other? They're kind of vibey in the same way, actually. Yeah, that's because they're all trip. kind of vibey movies. It's a good triple bill, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. I think you know they they all touch on themes of like, uh, well, obviously love, um, and how we attach love to people and things. I mean, a big part of Nine Days is that the main character is very involved in watching his previous choices, yeah. right? Um, and uh, and the one the one he loves most is the one that makes yeah. a choice he doesn't understand, right? So his attachment and and 
reluctance to attach to anyone else I think is a pretty big theme. Uh, as opposed to Pig, where it's all about, like, I have attached my love to this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And willingly so. So I think they do sort of vibe. I don't know how I would relate that to the French Dispatch, because I'm honestly having trouble remembering a lot of it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I'm willing to bet that they vibe in the same way. I feel like yeah. they are vibey, um, just generally speaking. Sorry, I'm yeah, just distracted yeah. watching, looking at the different Prince and Simon's home. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Got very lovely. Got Prince over there as well. Goodness. Oh. Coming over, yeah. come to Vancouver, come and stay. I know. I, I, I think I, I will be coming uh, to Vancouver, not in the long future. I will be coming shortly, most likely. A friend of mine just had a baby over there. So. Oh, lovely. We do have a pretty big film festival that starts pretty soon, too. Mm-hmm. So, just saying. Which one's that? Is it the Vancouver? It's Vancouver, yeah. Yeah. The thing it's... is, I got TIFF, and so... Yeah, but Vancouver is the one where you get to see the stuff you didn't have time to see at, at TIFF. That's the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm always like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's a lot of stuff that got passed over at TIFF goes to VIF. And then... Yeah. Anyway, I'm not here to shit on a film festival. I love this. <laughs> Good on you guys. Um, but anyways, this was a very fun exercise. I have to. I said that to you guys earlier. I said that this ended up being a very fun. I like the the idea of picking one movie that uh-huh. would um, destroy all the other movies and saying that we can't have. <laughs> Good. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Excellent. That. Yeah. I enjoyed that. But I have to say mine was really easy. Like when, when you said this, when you guys told me about this idea, I said, Oh, mm-hmm. mine's nine days. Like I knew it was gonna be nine days yeah. straight away. Yeah, mine yeah, mine was mine, always going to be pig. Always. Yeah, mine as soon as I thought about it was French dispatch. Yeah. Isn't that great when you just know? Yeah. I but love it was that. really fun. Thank you for joining us again. It was really wonderful to have you. And and, and oh. God knows what time it is over there, but you've done an amazing job. Uh, staying cognizant this late, I wouldn't. I'd be snoring the other side of the microphone now. That's um, I very true. will be doing that very shortly. So um, <laughs> good. So, well, thank you yeah, so up. much, so much for joining us, uh, Rachel. Thank you thank to you everyone. Thank you to everyone who is listening now, who's been listening for any length of time over these last two years. We are. It's yeah. been really. It's been really wonderful to. I mean. I'm not going to say that I obsessively check our podcast stats, uh, but also, <laughs> but also, it has been wonderful to slowly watch all the numbers go up or down as we go to or up in the rankings. I guess would be the way to say it. But we are constantly growing, and that is all thanks to everyone who's listening. Uh, so thank you to all of you. Um, it has been a great two years, and here's hoping to a whole bunch more. Yay! Happy anniversary, um, boys. Thanks. Well done. Uh, really. Thank you. In the meantime, you know, if you have... What is your nuclear option, listeners? I'm going to actually call out to the listeners this time. What is your nuclear option? If if you had to choose a movie from July 2021 to July 2023 that erases all the other movies, let us know on the socials. Um, you can reach us uh, at the show at Awesome Friday CA on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can reach me at AF on twitter and instagram and threads uh simon <laughs> is at temporary pen on the twitters and are you still on threads did you rejoin threads i know you turned it off and no. turned it on again no Awful. no i mean it's not the worst um and rachel <laughs> well, you are 
you are at underscore Rachel KH on all the things, just all the things, right? Pretty much anything worth, yeah, anything worth being on. Yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much that is it. Yeah, that is it. Good. Um, and if you liked what you heard, of course, as always, um, we do have a Patreon. You can subscribe for as little as $2 a month. Um, and you do get bonus content for doing so. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, you can also, you know, smash the like button on your podcasting platform of choice. Give us a five-star review. We, all of those things help immeasurably. Um, uh, and Rachel, this is your warning because we record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. And also... Oh, and I'm recording on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the Scugog Islands, First Nations, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. Awesome. Um, that is our show for today and for this two years. Thank you so much for joining us on this awesome Friday. Thank you. We love you. Hey again, friends. One last note, as stated earlier, this episode is brought to you in part by Zencaster, uh, which is the easy-to-use recording and producing tool for podcasts. Uh, it is super easy to get started. You sign in and log in with the web browser. All of your guests get to record their tracks separately and in up to 4K audio and video. Uh, and you get to feel a sense of ease as everything is backed up in multiple ways and all of your audio and video stays in great quality even if the connection is unstable for you or any of your guests. We use Zencaster every week to record and it couldn't be easier. I just log in, create a new episode, and send a link to Simon and suddenly we are talking with audio and with video. And right now, it couldn't be easier for you to get started either. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code AWESOMEFRIDAY and you will get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So once again, that is zencaster.com forward slash pricing or check our show notes where you can just click on our offer link and again save 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We look forward to hearing your show.